over the course of the year, you're going to see a massive bounce, is my prediction, in sort of China H shares, H shares, and a lot of global companies that rely heavily on uh, Chinese retail buyers. Hello, and welcome to Exchange Traded Fridays, our weekly podcast on the top stories and market analysis from the ETF perspective. I'm Daria Solovieva, Managing Editor of ETF.com, and I'm joined by my colleague, Senior ETF Analyst, Samit Roy. Hi, Samit. Hey, Daria. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And also joining us today is Sylvia Jablonski, Chief Investment Officer of Defiance ETFs, which specializes in thematic ETFs. Welcome to the podcast, Sylvia. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Great to have you with us. Um, so let's start with the big news this week, the latest CPI data. So Thursday's Consumer Price Index report showed that U.S. inflation is slowing down to 6.5%, which is um, significantly below November's 7.1% rate. Um, Sylvia, I'm wondering if that bombs your concerns about inflation and does that change anything about how you are pricing in inflationary risk going forward? Well, I think it was a great number. And I actually think that the market, it was really interesting to see what happened because around the announcement itself, futures started pulling back actually. So it was almost mm -hmm. as if the market just wanted something a little bit better, right? Uh, and then the market opened up a little bit. We're in, you know, we're kind of teetering back and forth, but but mainly in the green. I actually thought that if we would get this type of read, which was in line with estimates, that you know we might have had a face ripper today, and that didn't happen. And I think the reason why is it it just brings us back to earth a little bit. I think it's great that inflation is coming down. It's the data is backward looking, which is even more promising, right? It's probably not factoring in that things like rents that are still hot in this report have actually fallen in reality. And, you know, so sort of things like that. So the market's not really seeing through that, but, you know, I personally am encouraged by the number and I'm encouraged that the number is, is likely lower in reality when we kind of, you know, look at the forward looking data on this. So, but in terms of my positioning, I expect this year to be much of the same. I think we'll have this you know, range bound volatility. I think that we'll have pullbacks. I think that we'll have market pops, but the market will be, you know, sort of directionless until the, the Fed gets to the point where, you know, they, they stop hiking and, and perhaps the language changes to be less hawkish because no matter what the read is, you know, in, in the next week or two, we're probably going to see every one of the Fed chairs coming out saying mm -hmm. higher for longer, quoting these numbers. So the market doesn't like that. I think that that's the uncertainty that we're going to live with in the short term. But in terms of positioning, you know, I always like to think long term. I still think we're at depressed levels compared to where we'll be a year or two from now. So I'm perfectly fine gathering up um, the stocks that I like on the pullback days. Absolutely. I think everybody could use a little bit of good news at, at this stage. Um Looking at last year was not an easy year for thematic ETFs. Looking at, you know, assets under management total decreasing almost 42%, and according to the Global X research report I've seen on thematic ETFs. Um, just wondering kind of your take on theme level investment. Does anything about last year change the way that your investment thesis outlook and how you're looking at thematic ETFs? Well, I think what's unique about thematic ETFs is that a large amount of thematic ETFs tend to invest in and, you know, express themes um, on things that have to do with disruption and technology in the future. And a lot of the companies that make up those types of themes and, and beliefs tend to be tech companies and tend to be sort of high growth companies. And, 
you know, as we know, inflation and high, you know, high rate um, borrowing rates are, are sort of bad for growth companies, right? So I think that what happened to a lot of the thematic ETF products out there, whether it's, you know, ours, ARCs or, or GlobalXs or, or anyone in the space is that investor appetite for tech and growth companies fell to the wayside, you know, value sort of won over tech and, and actually cash and treasuries won over equities last year as well. So I think that it's a short-term type of uh, phenomenon that we'll see. It'll take some time to get that asset growth back up for various ETF issuers or, you know, even the single stocks, um, even if, even if somebody's sort of like not looking at it holistically as a basket. But once we get again past the Fed hikes and we get to a point where we think that inflation is, is steady and continuing to fall and landing between that two and 3%, you know, that gives these companies a chance to sort of breathe and grow again. Um, rather than worrying about what the you know future cost of capital will be. So it doesn't sound like in terms of your own outlook, it, anything is changing or you're looking less for fewer tech names. No, actually nothing has changed for me. So, so the way I view the market is, is that, you know, this is a point of time. This is a point in time. It's noise. It's painful noise, but I continue to believe that technology is going to drive the next decade of, of the markets. I believe in, you know, sort of that next industrial revolution where companies are, are going to have to invest in global, you know, sort of um, robotics and, and, and figure out ways to solve for deglobalization and figure out how to replace employees that don't exist for the jobs that they need to cover. You know, how are the electric vehicles and self-driving cars going to work without technology, cloud, cybersecurity, you know, sort of the, the, the fears of ongoing um, global scrutiny around security and 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 hacks and things like that. All of these types of you know issues that we live with and um, problems that we need to solve in order for our economy to actually grow and to have positive GDP depend on technology. So I haven't changed my mind at all. It's not lost on me that it's very difficult to go in and sort of buy a tech stock with so much uncertainty in the short term about whether or not we'll have a recession. But again, my view is just that. I like I like gas I like the idea of value creation in down markets, right? So it's, mm -hmm. it's the old um, adage of buy low, sell high, and this is you know this is probably a pretty good spot to buy low if you're thinking about selling beyond 2024. So um, that's how I look at it. And if you look globally at emerging markets, you know they've saw the largest increase in asset under management, almost 13 percent um, last year. So is there? In terms of bright spots, how are you looking also in terms of China uh, reopening? Is there anything that is changing for you either in terms of like tech names or anything else? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great question. And, and you know, KWeb is a very popular ETF today, I think, because of the China reopening. So I absolutely think that investors are going to look to allocate assets to to China, to large cap stocks, to some of the, you know, the, the popular names that we know, but also to international brands. Um, luxury brands and things like that. Once China reopens, you're going to have this situation where, you know, the the general public is out there spending again on retail. They're out there consuming services. They're out there consuming technology and buying products and things like that. So what happened was China reopened, as we know, but then th there's this setback, right, with these massive COVID rates again. So it's not a real reopen. And I think that over the course of the year, you're going to see a massive bounce, is my prediction, in sort of China H shares, H shares, and a lot of global companies that rely heavily on uh, Chinese retail buyers. That makes a lot of sense, um, Samit. Yeah. So, Sylvia, I wanted to touch on some of your specific individual ETFs. You have a lot of really cool thematic ETFs. Two that really stood out to me were uh, two that are on really futuristic themes, hydrogen and quantum computing. Are these areas mature enough for the average person to invest in or 
are these more like VC bets that only have a small uh, chance to succeed? Yeah, great question. So hydrogen is actually picking up a lot of steam and it's something that's very much, you know, in our world now. I think people are just kind of starting to learn about it, um, but it's a theme that's going to play out over the next decade. And I don't think it's one of those things that it's going to take a decade to, to see your, your ROI. So the growth in, in hydrogen has just been stellar. You know, you're starting to see hydrogen powered buses and planes and ships and things like that, cars all around the world. Um, but what's interesting about hydrogen is that there are so many tailwinds for the space. So number one, you know, we know we had this oil and gas shortage and, you know, I'm not sort of suggesting that we replace that with hydrogen. That's an issue in itself, but we do need to think about alternatives for the future so that we aren't in these predicaments. And hydrogen is the most abundant element, element um, in the universe, and it can be harnessed to create, you know, electricity and, and to sort of run things. So in that sense, I think that, you know, you're going to see a huge investment in the space. So um, the Global Renewable um, Energy Agency predicts that 12% of our electricity will be driven by hydrogen in the next five to 10 years or so. Right now, the number is actually zero. Uh, Bank of America put out a research note, you know, they anticipate the space to be 11 trillion by 2050. We have globally countries, you know, promising to go carbon neutral by 2050, you have the Inflation Reduction Act that's going to have, you know, a, a huge sort of bid for hydrogen stocks and, you know, some of these um, related names that produce store um, and, you know, evolve around the use of hydrogen production for, for various things that, that we do. You have companies in the space signing huge contracts with companies like Amazon and Google to be sort of the the, the backup generator in case of emergency to run factories to operate cranes and things like that. So hydrogen is very much um, with us now. It does exist. And some of these forward-looking tech companies have figured that out pretty quickly. Uh, so I just expect to see a massive growth in this space. And I think it's going to be one of those things where, you know, you mentioned we have the ETF, right? I think it's going to be the next sort of tan or, you know, um, one of the, the solar, wind, water types of ETFs that really garner uh, the interest of investors in the next couple of years. Uh, Quantum is actually one of our flagship funds. We've had it for a long time. And, you know, the idea with Quantum is, I, I think, you know, to your point, a lot of people look at that and they think like, oh, this is this, you know, way out there thing. But Quantum computing um, exists in some form already. So you have companies like IBM, companies like Google that have already invested heavily into this for the last 10 years. And they now have these machines that they're already testing that essentially run, you know, a trillion times faster than a regular computer would. So they can sort of complete multiple tasks at the same time. And why that's interesting is that, you know, this type of high-speed computing will allow us to do things like share data so that doctors and hospitals across, you know, the world don't have to sort of ping that one, you know, massive database in, in, in the Midwest that holds all the data and wait, you know, eight hours to get it. They, they can access data in 15 minutes that might help them with a particular surgery. Um, it'll help, you know, give us a, a precise location of, of targets and things like that when it comes to defense. It, it will help create smart cities. Um, it'll help banks better manage risk by being able to, you know, sort of conglomerate all of the information about a particular hedge fund client, you know, business to get a true sense of what their actual credit health is and, and what the bank's risk appetite is and where the balance sheet sits. So all of these things will be possible 
um, will be made possible with quantum computing. So there are there are bits of this already happening, but the the sort of innovation, the technology is moving so fast. Um, Carver Barron's actually re recently had an article about you know the 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 quantum leap and um, you know sort of how much progress has been made in this space. So I do think in terms of you know is this theme coming um, to the actual investor and becoming more accessible? You know, sort of the more that um, it's it's out there, the more they learn about it. Super interesting. And Sylvia, how do you balance, you know, getting pure play exposure to a theme versus having some of these bigger conglomerates? Because I look at the portfolio for the hydrogen ETF and it's it's really smaller type of companies that most people probably haven't even heard of. While you look at the quantum computing ETF and it's these really big companies, Alibaba, Baidu, Intel, that everyone knows about. Yeah. So when you look at something like hydrogen, you know, what, what we do is we try to find the companies that are established furthest along, have strong market cap, have liquidity in, in their underlying shares, have, you know, strong sort of balance sheets and debt service ratios and things like that. So, but yeah, to your point, I mean, when you file for an ETF and and, and you sort of call it something, right, in this case, hydrogen, the, the biggest thing and the most important thing is to make sure that you're giving investors access to companies that generate the majority of their revenues and, and their share from that particular activity or concentrate the majority of their activity in that, right? Um, you know, with something like technology, technology companies can do many, many things and focus on many things. So, so you know, while you have Google might be focusing on their ad business, they might be focusing on the web, they're equally focused on quantum computing um, and investors sort of know and understand that, right? But for, for hydrogen, you're taking on a bit of a growth story there. And it, it's to the point that we made before, right? It's fairly new. It's a difficult market for risk assets. Um, and I think that, you know, you're you're definitely getting into that sort of small cap trade early on before a lot of these names take off. And what's great about the ETF structure is that, you know, because it is an emerging space and, and it's, you know, kind of grown, it's with us now, but you, you don't know which company will be successful, right? And I think, again, going back to tech, well, they do other things. So you have a little bit of a hedge there, but with hydrogen, you know, you're getting access to all of the companies that actually exist that are, are involved in the space. And therefore, you know, you're going to have your winners, but you have some diversification in case, you know, you're sort of wrong about that one particular name. And with innovation and new emerging spaces, you want that diversification. That's where ETFs work really well. That makes sense. And I, I want to touch on your NFT ETF, NFTZ. When most people think about NFTs, they think about tokens on the blockchain, right? But this is an equity ETF. Why, in your opinion, is this the way to invest in NFTs? So this was actually meant to be, um, so, you know, NFTZ, first of all, we thought was a very cool ticker, right? And it represents companies that are involved in the creation of NFTs, companies that are involved in, you know, sort of the, the metaverse or, 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 you know, using them as part of their branding strategy, um, using them in the form of REIT, in, in the form of real estate and things like that. But this ETF was more meant to give you access to the technology. So it's meant to give you access to sort of digital assets, to blockchain, to non-fungible tokens that will be used as smart contracts in various um, vendor transactions and things like that. So it wasn't really meant to give you access to, um, you know, only an NFT. It's it's another way to access the blockchain digital asset ecosystem. Gotcha, gotcha. And of course, that whole space was kind of crushed in 2022. But I assume you still have faith that this is one of the big winning technologies over the long term. Yeah, I believe that in general, you know, blockchain technology is going to continue to grow. I think that major corporations are going to continue to invest in digital assets and continue to embrace this technology. I think that 
you know, the more that we see that there's sort of commercialization and, and also, um, you know, uh, regulation of, of the space and we get past the contagion issue of FTX and, you know, whatever, you know, sort of shoe is meant to drop next, I, I think that the space will get a little bit of a breather and, and have the opportunity to, you know, sort of soar and grow into the future. And then you have a 5G ETF as well. How far along are we in that transition from 4G to 5G? And how does this ETF position itself to capitalize on that? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so we're not there yet. Um, and I think, you know, there's been, I've, I've, I've read a lot out there in terms of, you know, sort of why is this taking so long? And I think investors have almost become frustrated with the idea that, you know, the 5G, it hasn't happened yet, right? And, and the reason that it hasn't happened yet, I think, is because there is this continued investment in the actual um, ecosystem, right? Whether it's the the cell towers, whether it's the actual, you know, sort of wiring and routing and, and, and the different components that go into building out 5G. But 5G is hugely critical to the future. So the reason that we remain incredibly bullish on this space is because you need essentially that low latency in order to have, you know, self-driving cars. You, you need it for electric vehicles. You need it to um, you know, sort of connect urban and rural America. You need it for artificial intelligence. And the list goes sort of on and on. Any kind of innovation that we're thinking about when it comes to technology absolutely relies on and depends on 5G. So while the rollout may be slow, it is very much happening. And the companies that are going to benefit are the ones that are big players in the space and help, you know, sort of the companies who need to use 5G uh, um, develop, you know, their various technologies and things like that. So we just think that there's an endless runway here. It's just slow going. For sure. I, I have to follow up about the hydrogen ETF because it's super interesting space for me as well. Sylvia, you mentioned transportation. And mm -hmm. I believe I saw in your HDRO um, materials that it doesn't include vehicle manufacturers. Is that correct? So I just wanted to kind of see how you're approaching that, you know, and the ramp up period, because it seems like we are going to see a lot of innovation specifically in the transportation uh, industry and like how you're approaching that. Yeah, so that's a great point, and it's very much on our radar. So it's something that, you know, we would have to see sort of develop and grow right now. The companies that are investing in that aren't sort of purely focused on hydrogen development, or if they are, they're not publicly listed companies, or they don't meet sort of the minimum requirements to, um, you know, be put into the index methodology. But as the space develops, absolutely, with every, you know, index rebalance, you also have fast tracking clauses and things like that, you know, as something becomes relevant to the space and to the end investor, and it sort of fits the methodology that we're aiming for, you know, you might start seeing some of those names pop up in there, but they're just sort of not mature enough, not big enough, not you know, liquid enough at this point. Makes sense. It's an interesting space to watch. And is there anything else you'd like to add in terms of your outlook for 2023? Other themes? I'm not going to force you to pick your favorite child in terms of the themes, <laughs> but are there things that you're most excited about or either parts of the world? Um, you mentioned China as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited about China. I'm also very excited about, um, you know, the travel reopen trade. We've got an ETF there called Cruise, but I do think that, you know, airlines, um, cruises, hotels, a lot of these spaces, particularly the spaces that are going to be related to China and even Europe, you know, um, in terms of kind of being a little bit further behind us and, and taking a little bit longer to recover, you know, I, I think a lot of the the reopening stories are going to really continue to boost those. And if you look at the CPI number, you know, you still sort of see a little bit of that inflation in that space, but the consumer remains strong, jobs remain strong, and people still have that pent up energy and, you know, sort of will to get out there and travel. 
Um, so I do think that that's going to be an interesting space. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of sort of debate as to whether or not, you know, if we enter into a major recession, those names start to slow down. But the way it's looking now, you know, when you have strong job numbers, when you have consumers that have, you know, some level of pricing power, have some some savings accounts, and you've had, you know, this, this sort of shutdown, and then major economies, you know, the second largest economy in the world is just starting to reopen. I just, I really think you're going to catch a bid there in the services area. For sure. And thanks for bringing us full circle back to inflation. And certainly <laughs> a lot of interesting themes to watch this year from quantum computing to green hydrogen. We also want to remind our listeners that ETF.com award nominations are open through the end of January, January 31st. So we'll be the awards are back this year in April and just in time to mark the 30th anniversary of the first U.S. listed exchange traded fund. So if you want to make your nominations, you can go to awards.etf.com. And that's it for today. We'll see you next week.